Hello and welcome. This is Reverend Mark Bishop, Interim Pastor here at St. Paul United Church of Christ in Wapakoneta, Ohio, where no matter who you are or where you are on life's journey, you are welcome here. We say this because we try to live God's extravagant welcome. You are always welcome to be a part of our family at St. Paul UCC here in Wapak. May God bless us abundantly as we worship together. We have a wonderful story from the First Testament. What you intended for harm, God intended for good, is the moral of the Joseph story. And the Joseph story is one of the longest in the entire Bible. It many, many chapters to describe the story. And, and so just want to refresh us, our minds, of, of what goes into this whole picture, that is that there were 12 sons of Jacob, brothers. Joseph was the baby brother, the spoiled baby brother, whom father favored, gave him a very special multicolored cloak obviously oblivious to the jealousy among his sons. And so this jealousy and envy and whatever else went into this decision for the 11 brothers to throw Joseph in a pit and to sell him to a traveling caravan into slavery in Egypt. Now things don't get worse than that between brothers, do they? <laughs> It's a good example of how things can go wrong. And they took that special cloak to their father Jacob, smeared a little blood on it, and said, Joseph is dead. So they deceived their father and lied. And then there's uh, many chapters, this long story of how Joseph in slavery, in prison at first, in Egypt, interpreted the Pharaoh's dreams and rose to a high position as Pharaoh's advisor. And it's only after that whole background story that, that we can understand this, the drama of this scripture today. It says... The first, the first phrase says, realizing that their father was dead. Now, why is that important? 
because father would have still favored Joseph and still expected the 11 brothers to honor him. And now they were face to face with Joseph, their brother, who had ultimate power as Pharaoh's advisor over them. They had come to Egypt because there was a famine in their land, and they were starving, and they were desperate. They wouldn't have gone to Egypt unless they were desperate. And so they were frightened what their brother Joseph would do to retaliate against the the, I mean, you can't think of any worse way that you can treat your brother than to sell him into slavery, right? In fear and guilt, they began to cry. Grown men cry tears of sorrow and regret. An apology. Remember from last Sunday, God begins to speak to us when we grieve, when we cry out to the Lord our need to be better than we are. It is on our grief and our lamentation that God hears our cry. But this theology that, that comes up is, is a little different. It's different than the, the, one of the themes that runs throughout the Old Testament in lots of places is called a Deuteronomic theology that says God blesses those who are good and faithful and God punishes and curses those who are bad and evil. It's simple. We understand that. It's kind of the way we wish God was. But God is much more, much more than that. God is not a formula. God is not a a reward dispenser machine. You put your quarter in and you get your reward. You put your prayer in and you get your reward. God's ways are mysterious to us at times. And hard to understand and so absolutely astonished the 11 brothers are surprised that instead of vengeance and and revenge Joseph teaches them about the insight that he has understood about God's way of working among us that what you intended for evil, God intended for good. Makes our theology much more humble, doesn't it? That God has a plan that sometimes, and I think we're in, as the church, we are in a, a time like that where churches are shrinking everywhere. What does that mean? We're very confused about what that means. We're very confused about that. And I just think we need to hang on to this theology that says 
what seems evil to us, what seems sad and terrible, and we cry out about it, that maybe God has a plan for those, the faithful remnant that's, that remains here and, and realizes, continues to realize the importance of worship and Christian community. And we have something to teach the world. So how does this New Testament parable, is it a, is it a story? Is it a, ter- a parable? Uh, I'm not quite sure. It's not clear. Some, sometimes it's very clear that it's just a parable, which is a story to make a point. And, and so we have in this New Testament in Matthew, the Lord who forgives his slave 10,000 talents. Now remember, a talent is, is not our personal talent. It's, it's a, a piece of money. It's a denomination of money. Think of it as a, a $100,000 bill because a talent was enough to support the average person for an entire year. And so the point of the story or the the parable is that this slave owed 10,000 talents. In other words, a debt that never could have been repaid, ever. 10,000 lifetimes worth of, of value. And that kind of sets up our thinking about this. And then he tells the story of after this slave is forgiven. And you need to remember, in the ancient world, um, tribute or or obligation or uh, slavery or indentured servitude was a part of the the economy, the way it worked. And when you were forgiven a all debt, you became only then a free person. And so this free person, instead of being grateful and and learning a new way of being, runs into a fellow slave who owes him a hundred denarii. Now denarii, or think, think of that as dollars, hundred bucks. And what does he do? He grabs him by the throat. Says, you repay. So the contrast is, it couldn't be any larger. (laughs) It couldn't be any larger. 10,000 talents, 10,000 lifetimes of debt, or 100 bucks. And so, the Lord of this debt, this first $10,000 debt hears about that and says, and, and I think the ending of this is a little, a little surprising because sometimes some folks would, would kind of lead you to think that the ending of the story is you're going to go right straight to hell if you do that. Okay? You would think that's the way it ends, but listen to the last verse. It's really kind of surprising. 
So my heavenly Father will also do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother or sister from your heart. Isn't that a delightful twist on the end that gets us to imagining what kind of a world, what kind of a kingdom of God is coming? What what is that going to look like? And and so I want to end with one more thought, and that is that this word for debts, we every every Sunday we say the Lord's Prayer, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And it it's not a metaphor. It's real debt that we're called to imagine an economy in this world that's a little different than the way the world works because I don't know of any banker who would uh, 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 think that that's a great idea the world doesn't work that way you have a mortgage you pay it you don't pay it you lose your house you lose your car You know, that's the way of this world, isn't it? We call it common sense. And yet the scriptures really challenge us, challenge us to imagine a world where those are not the rules. Where instead, I I don't know that I want to go as far as to say a world that's debt-free. I can't even conceive of it. And I'll bet you can't either. But how about a world that every once in a while lives in that way? That surprises people. And honestly, I think the genius of the fall festival in some ways is the genius of it being free. Gets people's attention. Gets them thinking. And we don't know in in what way. It's free like God's love, like God's grace. It's free. And maybe it's just for one day a symbol of what God's kingdom would be like. Maybe in just one way we can surprise the world and witness to the world in this way. And the challenge to us is that, like I I introduced last week, Can we use our prophetic imagination to imagine a world where debts are forgiven? When your situation is desperate enough that that's the only thing that's going to get you out of the hole. Can you imagine a world where the world is characterized by this dream that we are all brothers and sisters, free people, free, free. Only Remember, in the ancient world, only after your all debts were, were, were forgiven were you a free person. That's the image. Can we imagine a world where we live as equals, where we share where there's need, where we celebrate our membership as brothers and sisters, equal, free, together.
That's the challenge of this story, this parable, whatever this is. And so I ask God's blessing on us as we try to imagine what it is like to witness to the world of the coming kingdom of God. That's very different from this world in some ways. And we are to join God in trying to tell the world about this different kind of kingdom which is coming. We pray that you have found blessing and enrichment in joining us for worship today, as we are truly blessed to have you worship with us. Peace and blessings to you, and thank you for joining us today. If you would like to support the ministries of St. Paul United Church of Christ here in Wapakoneta, you can do so in three ways. First, you can mail in your gifts to St. Paul at P.O. Box 147, Wapakoneta, Ohio, 45895. Secondly, you can send your gifts online from our website, stpaulucc.com. Lastly, you can text the amount you would like to give by texting us at 844-971-971. Come join us again at St. Paul United Church of Christ here in Wapakoneta, where no matter who you are or where you are on life's journey, you are welcome here.